what we're talking about today is making a difference. And uh, once a year, we take the opportunity to, uh, to dedicate a Sunday uh, to one of our values. If you walk out these doors on, on my right, your left, and on the wall, you'll see our values written there. And on that, on those uh, canvases, you'll see how we implement those values. And one of the values that we have at LifeHouse is generous living. Uh, and that goes beyond just the, the giving of our uh, finances, the giving of our resources. Uh, it goes into uh, living generously in our time. We give of our time. We serve. Many of you are part of our dream team and serve so faithfully. And uh, many of you are yet to be on our dream team and, and coming on uh, even, even this month. And so, uh, listen, we are just, I just want to say to you that you are a generous church. And, uh, and so what I'm about to talk to you about really isn't any implication that uh, we don't do enough or we, you, know, we need, you guys need to do more or something along those lines. It's just a, a reminder to all of us that we get to live generous lives. Uh, and uh, when, when Morgan was talking during first service, she, she, got, she got emotional second service, but uh, in first service she was pretty emotional. And I, I told first service that I'm a, I'm a sympathetic crier. Um, like when, when I see people tear up, like they don't even have to start crying. They just, you see the, you know, the water in, in their eyes and, and water starts filling up in my eyes. I didn't used to cry. Uh, and then I became a pastor and, uh, and I don't know what happened, but somehow in that process, I just became a crier. Uh, and so just people will be sitting in my office and they'll be crying about something that I'm not even involved in. And I just thought, I, there's a passage of scripture that says, weep with those who weep. And, uh, and so when I, when I hear Morgan talk about, like, those pictures are, those are in our city. That's our town. Like, you know, we look at those things and we, we kind of, uh, when, they're, uh, when they're in Colombia or when they're in a third world country, we're like, oh, it's a third world country. This is our city. And what are we going to do about it? Like, how are we going to change it? We, we can make a difference. And that's what I want to talk about because there's probably some of us who are thinking, I don't, I don't know if I can make a, I don't know, we're not even going to be able to make a dent in the, in the poverty problem in our city. And I would just say, we together can make a difference. It's always after Thanksgiving that uh, historically we, we have this annual Passion Sunday is what we call it. And, uh, and on Passion Sunday, we always present kind of four different areas in which uh, in three weeks you would be able to give towards. Uh, so uh, in the past, like uh, a year ago, uh, we on Passion Sunday, which was the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we presented to you uh, Lavish and S.A. Heels and uh, MMI Columbia, and then we also raised funds to bring our uh, our pastors from Columbia here to go to our, our international conference. So we presented all of those things, and then in, in three weeks later, we uh, received an offering. And, uh, and so we've decided this year to change things up a little bit and to shift it from Passion Sunday to Make a Difference Sunday. Uh, and you can say, well, you just changed the name. No, we actually uh, are changing kind of the philosophical way in which we do stuff, and I'm going to talk about that uh, in just a second. The reason why we do this every year is because if we leave ourselves alone, we will get back, we will fall back into the line of thinking that really just says, what's good for me? 
If, if I'm left to my own demise, if I'm left to kind of uh, just do things on my own, I, I inevitably revert back to this uh, mentality that says, okay, I just, I, I've got to worry about me. I've got to think about me. I've got to, uh, what's good for, for me? Uh, I, I believe, though, that as Christians, there's something, I, actually, I believe as human beings, let's just, we'll take our, uh, our Christian faith journey out of it and just say, as human beings, we are hardwired to live our lives with other people in view. That you know, even in, uh, in some of the most uh, difficult of circumstances, there's, or people who are very far from God, there's something in them that says, I want to do something that would make a difference in somebody else's life. So there's something hardwired in us, in our, in our DNA, in our makeup of how God has created us, that is really meant to have other people in our view, in our eyesight. That we would, as we walk through this life in this world, that we would see other people. But oftentimes what happens is scales build up and we, we start thinking more and more about ourselves. And uh, eventually we get to a place of maybe some selfishness and some things where uh, all we're worrying about is, uh, is ourself. In Psalm 112, verse 5 through 6, it says, Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. So it's interesting, not only how you give, give generously, but who conducts his affairs with justice. It's how you live your life. So it's one thing to, to be a giver, but then how do you live your life? Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. In other words, what we do for ourselves... The things that we do for ourselves die with us. But the things that we do for others lives well beyond our life. And that's what, what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being a people who make a difference in such a way that we leave a legacy that goes well beyond our life. In Psalm 65, 11, it says, You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. That's a great uh, uh, description of what 2017 has been for Lifehouse Church. A, a uh, year with a bountiful harvest. Uh, it, on the back of your card, you have an option. And, uh, and for some people, they walk through our doors. They don't have a relationship with God. Uh, and uh, for the very first time, they make a decision that they're going to commit their life to Jesus Christ. And so on the back of your card, if you, if you look at it, you see, today I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ. Now, since January of 2017, uh, we've had 52, not like um, just, you know, raising their hands or anything, but 52 people that have marked the card that say, today I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ. That is a, a bountiful harvest. Uh, first service, not to put you guys down, but first service actually clapped when I said 52 people gave their life to Jesus. I know, I know you guys are catching up to first service, but you guys have had more coffee than first service had, so... 52 people committed their life to Jesus, and we've had the opportunity to contact them and, uh, with email addresses and help them in this journey of faith that they're beginning. Uh, since the beginning of the year, our finances have, God's, just, God's provision has been a blessing over and over and over again. We are living in a year of bountiful harvest, and 
uh, it, just to give you, I don't talk much about our church council. And uh, our church council, if you're unaware of this, if you're visiting with us, you're going to get some information about our church and how we do things. But we have a church council that's made up of six people from our congregation who oversee the finances of our church. Uh, these people meet on a, a monthly basis. They review our, our uh, income and expense reports. They, we pray about what God wants to do in the vision of our church and all of these things. And this last Sunday, we met for our budget meeting for 2018. And as we were going through all of this, uh, we, we just all were reminded about God's provision for our church, that you are a generous church. God's a generous God. We are taken care of, we are provided for, that, that we are living in this year of bountiful harvest. And I'm going to talk some more about that in a second. You, by the way, um, uh, I, I have lots of pastor friends uh, who pastor churches all across our country. We, uh, we're all on a Facebook, uh, I don't know, what are the, group? Is that what they're called? Facebook group? I hate Facebook, uh, but it's a necessary evil. So um, I'm, I'm on this Facebook group with, with all these pastor friends, and I, I can't tell you um, how blessed you are uh, with your church council. We have, the, the people that we have on our church council are wise, faith-filled, godly people who are very good stewards of the resources that God has for us. And, uh, and so uh, I'm not going to point them out necessarily. Some of them are in the room. But uh, I, just, I just want you to know, I, when I talk with some of my friends, they're oftentimes complaining about their church council, uh, about the, how they can't get their church council to do anything or think about anything or any of those things. And I'm just going to say, uh, you, your guys' council is really, really uh, amazing. So once a year, we take this opportunity, uh, as I said, to dedicate a Sunday uh, towards this. Um, I want to give you, just as a reminder, if you've been through Lifetrack, you've probably heard this, but uh, just as a reminder, I, I want to share with you how we as a church are making a difference. Um, the first area is this, is our local missions. So we were pretty intentional a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I was out of town, but uh, Pastor Jeremy led the service, and we had all of our partnership ministries uh, from San Antonio here. I, I think most of them were represented. If not, uh, then you represented them. Uh, but if you walk out those doors, walk out those doors to see our values. If you walk out those doors, you'll see the areas of partnership ministries that we have here in San Antonio. So we partner with uh, a, a bunch of different ministries, Lavish, SA Heals, Children's Hunger Fund, uh, uh, Laundry Love, all of these different things. And uh, that for us is a way in which we can make a difference. It's a way in which we can support them, not only financially, uh, but as a church, we can go, we can serve, we can pray for them. Uh, we can be a people that, uh, listen, if our church tried to do all of the different things that these ministries were doing, uh, we wouldn't be able to do it. Uh, so why would we try to recreate something that we, I mean, we might be able to do one of those things, but we're not going to recreate how to do it. Instead, we want to partner. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. It's this uh, unity that takes place. We're going to partner with these people. We're going to support them financially. We're going to help them uh, with people. Some of you already serve. You could go down to SA Heels and work at an after-school program. Uh, when we have things like Love Where You Live, where Morgan is uh, in her church, that's what I call it, is her school is her church. 
She's in there and she's ministering and we want to partner with that. We want to do whatever we can. So is it my understanding, like I was trying to understand this, Jeremy, that all of the names that we had are taken. Uh, and so now it's like if, if people just want to do whatever, they can do whatever. Okay. Okay. So do, do whatever you want to do, but uh, we're going we're gonna to talk some more about that in a second. So local, uh, local ministries, we're committed to, to them. Second is uh, our country, America. America. Uh, we, uh, how many of you would say that, uh, that our country could use a little bit of a spiritual overhaul uh, today? Yeah. So you clap at that. 52 people get saved, but... Um, yeah, it could use that. And so, you know, there's, there's some, some line of thinking that says, well, then as the, the church is supposed to get involved uh, politically and, and, and all of this stuff. And here, here's my philosophy on this. And some of you may agree or disagree. And if we can agree to disagree on this, uh, that's okay. My philosophy is what our, what our country needs is more life-giving, uh, discipleship-driven churches that are raising up leaders who are going to run our country. Yeah, that's, that's what we need. So you don't need me telling you how to vote or, or what political side of the aisle I'm on or any of those things. What you need is, is your pastor to figure out how we can plant more of what we've got going on here, that we would plant more churches and that we would fund more church planting in our country so that we would actually be a country that is experiencing revival through the local church. Uh, in that, what we do, you may not know this, but uh, we partner with our denomination in church planting. So uh, every month we receive our tithes and offerings and we, we figure out what that amount is. And then we give to our denomination to help fund church planting, uh, to help fund leadership development, to help fund the things of the kingdom in our country. So as a church, what we're doing nationally right now is helping fund through the partnership of our denomination. So that's what we're doing with our country. And the third area is international missions. And if you haven't picked up on kind of the theme here, it's the passage of scripture that uh, talks about going in, uh, into Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth, right? So we have Jerusalem, our city, and then Judea, our country, and to the ends of the earth, our international missions. Uh, year to date, um, since January to today, we have given out over $70,000 uh, in international missions as a church. Uh, that's, you could clap for that if you want. First service didn't clap at that one, so feel free. $70,000 that's gone to uh, the Solomon Islands, gone to the Papua New Guinea, it's gone to Colombia. Uh, it's gone to, um, uh, let me think, it's gone to uh, our Foursquare Missions International, which is, uh, they oversee the entire world's uh, mission, so we, it helps fund regional missionaries, it helps fund works that are going on uh, when there's crisis, when there's uh, natural disasters, it helps fund that. Um, we, uh, some of that goes to uh, what we call, um, not first responders, but what's uh, Foursquare uh, four disaster relief. So we have a, a 
organization, a part of our denomination uh, that deals with things like Hurricane Harvey, uh, deals with natural disaster, disasters in the world, as well as in the U.S. We've given towards that. Uh, so we're, we're a generous church. We're giving, giving, giving. We, we want to be that. We want to continue to do that. Now, I, would, I say all of that to say, not, not to brag on our church, I say all that to say, thank you. Uh, I say all of that to say this, that um, probably most of us, I'm not saying all of us, but most of us uh, would have a really difficult time uh, giving $70,000 towards missions this year. And so I say all of that to say that none of us are as good as all of us. That, that maybe individually we wouldn't be able to do that, but I just want to encourage you that all of us have been able to do that. And, and that makes a difference. So you, you may think, well, I don't know what kind of a dent I can make in this world or in our country or whatever. You, you just do what you can do, and all of us together can make a dent. All of us together can, can make a difference. So what is it, though, that we could do individually? Uh, we talk about what we could do together, but what, what, what can we do individually? The first, and this is in your notes, is that we can pray. We can pray about what we do. Morgan alluded to this. Listen, if you can't give financially, maybe you're in a tight situation, you lost your job, you're in a, uh, in a bad financial crisis or whatever, okay, that, well, we understand that. Life happens and things take place. We would never want you to feel guilty, but you can do something. You can pray. And I would argue that praying and being intentional about our prayer makes a huge difference. As you heard Morgan testify to the boy whose uh, cancer is now going the other direction. Uh, you could go out to the wall there, and, and I hope there's still some out there, but you could go out to the wall, and we have cards for each of the partnerships of, of the ministries that we we're with, and you could just take one of those cards and throw it up on your refrigerator, and every morning, pray for SA Heals. Every morning, pray for Lavish. Every morning, pray for Children's Hunger Fund, that God would move and work and provide in those ministries. We can do something, and we can make a difference. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Some of your translations will say, Pray the Lord of the harvest. This translation says, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. You say, Well, what does that mean? It means when you're praying for uh, lavish, that you're praying, God, bring workers. When you're praying for Lifehouse Church, you're saying, God, bring workers, bring church planners, bring people who are leaders in the church that, are gonna, that we're going to send out to make a difference in the world. You pray for, the, the harvest is there. We saw a picture of the harvest. It's there. It's available. We just need workers to go out and do it. We need more Morgan Hines who have taken on the responsibility to say, not, not in my school. This isn't going to happen. 
The second thing we can do is we can give. This is the second word in your notes. And if you know anything about our church, uh, if you've been here for any amount of time, you know that we don't do uh, a ton of special offerings. Uh, we, uh, in the spring, will do a f- one fundraiser that helps raise funds for our Columbia missions trip. Uh, we, if there is a natural disaster or, or something that kind of comes out that was unexpected, like Hurricane Harvey, we give you the opportunity to give towards that because we, uh, there's something in us that wants to do something wants to make a difference, and so uh, we give you the opportunity, and the, we research some places in which you can give, and you can put that through the church, and we, we send that off. So we will we'll do those kinds of things periodically, but for the most part, we don't have a big capital building campaign. We're, uh, we're not coming to you and saying, hey, we've got to keep the electricity on, so could you give a little bit more or any of those things? Uh, and you can say, well, do churches do that? Yeah, yeah, they do. So we don't do a lot of that stuff. And and going back to your church council, the reason why we don't have to do any of that is, first of all, it goes against everything in my being as a Christian to do that. But secondly, your church council are such good stewards of the funds that we don't have to. That if we are being good stewards of the funds that God has provided for us, we should have the opportunity to do the things that God calls us to do. So they're doing that. We're able to do the 70,000. We're able to do all of this other stuff. And, and because of that, then, we don't have to come back. It's only this one time a year do we come and really push for something that is beyond us. So it's not for us. This is, going, this is us as a church giving away and making a difference. So you can give towards that. And uh, in Proverbs uh, chapter 3, verse 27, it says, Do not withhold good from those who deserve, uh, who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. You say, well, what do I give? How much do I give? Well, you just give what you have. You know, I told first service, don't give what you don't have. <laughs> you can't. It doesn't work. You just give what you can. You give what you have. You pray about it. The reason why we, and just, for, just so you know, so everybody can take a deep breath, we're not receiving an offering today for, for this. We're not receiving the Make a Difference offering today. Everybody take a deep breath, because you, you may have thought this is, one of those, this is one of those Sunday mornings where they guilt us, and they come at us, and they put pictures on the screen, and they, and, and, you know, starving children in Africa, and then they say, oh, if you don't give, you don't love orphans. You know, I've been in that service. And it, you, it's guilt-ridden, and it's, uh, it's this uh, obligation and all those things. So I just want everybody to just take a deep breath. We will have our normal tithes and offer, uh, offering offering at the end of the message, but we're not receiving the make a difference offering for three more weeks. And the reason why is because I don't want you feeling guilty. I don't want a gift that is birthed out of guilt or condemnation or shame or I'm not doing enough or any of those things, I would rather you go home, pray, and say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? So we're going to, get, we're going to have an offering. It's going to be on December the 17th. Uh, it's our big kids' Christmas program, uh, and we decided to do it on there because I know you all be here because your kids are going to be here. 
And, uh, and so we're going to do it on December 17th, and so you, you now have three weeks. So starting today, it's available on our website. If, you, if you're just ready and you want to give online to do that, you can. Uh, but know that next week when we come, we're not, we're not receiving a Make a Difference offering. A week after that, no Make a Difference offering. The following week, wait, is that right? Yeah, the following week we will. Uh, next week you're going to hear from uh, my friend Juan Allen, uh, who's sitting here. He's in service today. He definitely wanted me to point him out. Um, uh, Juan Allen lives in Colombia, and Juan Allen uh, heads up, uh, he's the president of um, Medical Ministry International Colombia. So when last year, if you were here during the offering, we gave towards what we call the eye clinic. Uh, We have the opportunity to uh, give towards uh, cataract surgeries and um, strabismus and uh, and straightening of the eyes from uh, kids that have crossed eyes. All of these things, we were able to give towards that. Well, uh, every January, Juan Allen leads uh, an eye clinic where doctors from the U.S. come and they have, uh, they see, last year they saw 5,000 people in two weeks. They get them eyeglasses. They get them all the general eye care, but they also give. Uh, they also do surgeries. Uh, my mom's actually getting ready to have uh, cataract surgery. I'm like, just wait till January. I'll take you to Columbia. They'll, <laughs> they'll do it down there, and we'll pay for it. Uh, no, no, we do it uh, because these people can't get care, and uh, and so they get the best care. Uh, so we're gonna next week. Uh, Juan Allen's gonna come. He's gonna share with us a little bit more about. MMI Columbia, as well as uh, he's going to share a little bit about our church in Columbia. Um, so we're giving this year, the offering that we're receiving is going to go to MMI and to our church plant for um, uh, to put roofs on the churches. So they've got buildings up, they've got walls, but then I mean roofs. And roofs are kind of the most expensive part of it. And if you've never been there, or you're not familiar with the region, it rains a lot. Uh, so it's pretty impossible to meet in the building until they have a roof. Uh, we want to get them some roofs. And not only will that afford them to be able to meet for church, uh, but then they can actually get a compassion program to come into that church. And now they can have a child development program. And more kids get sponsored, all of those things. So it's this really amazing, amazing opportunity that we have. So you can give towards that in three weeks. The third thing that you can do is you can go. You need to see it. Go see, if you're sponsoring a child through Compassion in Columbia, you have the opportunity to go on that trip, be in your child's home, visit with their parents, see the program that they're a part of, meet their teachers, all of those things. You could do that if you wanted to. Uh, in March, uh, Pastor Johnny just contacted Jeremy and said, uh, in March, they would like a group uh, from our church to come and help put on the roofs. Uh, so we can give towards the roof but, you, roof, but you can also go. If you have any sort of building skills, we would like people who can actually hit a nail with a hammer, um, you know, just basic building type skills. But if that's you and you want to go, you can go be a part of that. Uh, if you're like, well, man, March is coming up fast. I don't know if I can come up with the funds to do that. I said, I don't know how it's all going to work out. I know this. This is what I told Jeremy before service is uh, the funds that we raise through the Make a Difference offering is going to, to put the roofs on and 
for the eye clinic. That's what the, that's happening. If we have to help people get to Columbia to, uh, to put the roofs on, then we'll figure that out out of our regular tithes and offerings. We'll just, because you are generous, the council will look at it. We'll figure out what we can do, and we'll see how many we can sponsor. But we got to get some people to Columbia. And if that's you, if you're interested in that, talk with Pastor Jeremy after the, after the service and say, I want to go. I want to go to Columbia. Maybe you don't like to leave the country. You know, maybe you can't leave the country. I don't know. Uh, but... If I don't know where you come from, but if you can't, you can go down to the uh, to the east side, the SA Hills, and be a part of a after school program. You you can go pack boxes at uh, at Children's Hunger Fund. You you can be a part of lavish. You you can do other things. We all can do something. We can all make a difference. You can pray, you can give, you can go. And some of us probably need to pray about all of those things. Some of you might not be in a position to be able to do all of those, but you can do one. Maybe some of us should be praying about God. Yeah, I know I can give. I can give and that won't hurt very much, but maybe I need to pray about whether or not I should go. Or maybe I don't really, maybe I give, but I don't ever really think about or pray about the ministry that I'm giving to. So, so this year I'm going to really commit myself to pray. Romans 10, 15, and how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You can go. I'm going to close with this uh, this morning, just some, some values, some things that it's going to take in order to be make-a-difference kind of people. Uh, if, we, if we're committed to this, if we are committed to, being, to making a difference in this world, there's just some things that it's going to take. The first thing is it's going to take faith. And when I say that, I don't mean just belief, like you believe that you can make a difference. I'm talking about a faith that sees something. Uh, scripture says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's, we're seeing things another way. It's Morgan in her school seeing things a different way for these kids and saying, I have the faith to believe we could do something about that. It's, it's having the faith to say, we could plant, I mean, as a church of 450 on a Sunday average, we could plant a church in Columbia, build a building, have a childhood development program go in there, and we could sponsor 100 kids. We have the faith to see something different in that community than what currently exists. It takes faith. See, difference makers, we, we see it. We see our world in a different way than it currently is. Uh, Brian Houston is a pastor of a large church uh, called, called Hillsong. We sing a lot of their music. Everybody does, honestly. Uh, you've heard a lot of their music. But Brian Houston is the pastor of the church, and some people like him, some people don't. But what he's kind of known for is uh, the, this kind of this creed, if you will, called the church I see. And, and so... I read his The Church I See and kind of adapted it a little bit. I just wanted to read this to you because this is how I see our church. I see a church that's so life-giving that the building struggles to contain the increase. You say, oh, you just want to become a mega church. No, I didn't say that. I just said, I, I, I want to be so life-giving that people want to be a part of this church. 
Uh, and this is the conversation we're having right now in, in our church council meetings is, um, you know, we talked about uh, in 2018, we're looking at adding about 20 to 30 more parking spots, which will enable us to grow as a church by about 15%. Um, beyond that, that, that will max us out in this room. It'll max our kids out and, uh, and we'll need more kids teachers and all of that. Uh, but that will be the limit the limit of our growth. Then we have to make other decisions. We have to decide, are we going to have a third service? Uh, are we going to blow out a wall? Are we going to get some modular classrooms for the kids? Are we going to plant a dream center downtown? Are we going to put a church on the other side of town? Well, those are the, then the bigger questions that we have to answer. But, but I, ha- I believe that as a church, if we are life-giving, if we are generous, if we are all of the values that we say we're about, we won't be able to help but grow. We just, we can't, I mean, we could tell people, sorry, uh, there's no room in the inn. Uh, go to the, another church or whatever. But people are going to be attracted to something that is real and something that is life-giving. I see a church where, The people have found a real relationship with God and not religion. Kelly and I feel like our our ministry, our our mission of why God brought us here was to reach unsaved churchgoers. I'll let you figure that out. I see a church where people are taking another step closer in their relationship with God. I see a church where God uses ordinary people serving the people of our city. A church where it's not just the pastors of the church who are doing all of the ministry, but that the Morgan Hines are, are down in her school ministering to the teachers and ministering to her students, the, uh, the Kims who have, have been in apartment complex, and that it's you, it's all of us doing the ministry together and looking for opportunities that we would, we would be ordinary people just serving our city. To see a church that's so compassionate that people are drawn from impossible situations into a a loving circle of hope for their life. A church that's committed to raising up leaders that will go from from here, that will go out from here and and change the world. Uh, We have uh, one of our students, we had some of our students back from college in, uh, in first service. We have Nick is back here from uh, from college, from Bible college, and, and I have no doubt uh, that as a leader, he's going out and he's going to change the world. No pressure, but you, sh- you, you, you should be good. I see a people who are so kingdom-minded that we will count whatever the cost and pay whatever the price to see revival happen in America. I, I see a church who never stops searching for lost people because God never stops searching for, for us. See, a church that none of this can happen, a church that recognizes that none of this can happen in our own ability, that if it's left up to us, we're probably not going to be able to pull it off, but that we know that all of this can only happen through prayer and fasting, and it's why we're getting ready in January to go into a season of prayer and fasting. Because we can't do it. If it's up to us, we might be able to do something here or there. But to do the kinds of things that I'm contending for would require something so supernatural, so 
so miraculous that it could only come through prayer and fasting. Ephesians 2 says, God is building a home. He's, he's using us all. This is from the message paraphrase. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here. I don't know how you ended up in our church. And maybe you're visiting for the first time. And you're like, this guy's crazy, like, you know, what he's contending for. But I don't know how you got here. But here's what I do know is that he is using all of us, regardless of how we got here. And he's using us in what he's building he used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you. He's, he's fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all of the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. It's the illustration of the three guys who are, who are bricklayers. And, uh, and you go up to the first guy who's, who's working there, and you say, what are you building? And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm just laying some bricks. And you go to the next guy, and you say, well, what are you building? And the next guy's like, I'm, I'm building this big wall. And you go to the third guy, and you say, what are you building? And he's like, I'm building the most beautiful cathedral there is. You see, beyond just today, you see beyond the immediate, you see beyond the task, you be, see beyond the gift, and you say, I'm a part of something that God is quite at home in. It also takes sacrifice. It takes faith, of course, but it also takes sacrifice. Anything of significance is going to cost something. As a church, we, we have to lay down our agenda, or our personal convenience. We, we serve as a part of our dream team because we know that there is the possibility that every single Sunday someone could walk through their doors thinking this is my last day on this earth. That this is it. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to see if there's any hope left in this world. And we have the opportunity to be the hope of Christ in their life. To be a people who create an environment where 52 people can come in and experience God and have uh, their eternities changed. Uh, there's kind of this line of thinking out there uh, among pastordom, I don't think that's a word, but uh, in, in pastor culture, where it, when someone surrenders their life to Jesus, they're changing their family tree. Think about it. You, you have somebody who is living far from God. They're living in despair. They're living in, in all of this hopelessness. They're passing that along to their next generations. But if someone comes into a relationship with God and now has hope, now has life, now has joy, now has peace in their life, they're passing all of that on to their generations. So generation after generation, they are literally changing. 52 family trees completely changed because of their one person's surrender to God. Yeah, you can clap. It's okay. We won't tell you to stop. So it takes sacrifice. And, and as, as followers of Jesus, we choose it. It's kind of this crazy thing, right? It's like, what do you mean we choose sacrifice? I didn't know I was signing up for sacrifices. Like, that doesn't sound good to me. But there is something of, of difficulty. There is something of cost. It's, uh, 
It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Even if you've never really read your Bible or or you're not familiar with the Bible, you you may know the story of the Good Samaritan. So I'll just kind of give you the cliff notes because we don't have time to go into it. But essentially, there's a guy who gets beaten and robbed and left for dead. He's alongside the road. And interestingly, Scripture is more sarcastic than you think it is. It's why I like the Bible so much. People tell me I should not be sarcastic, but I just point them to Scripture and say, well, there. Uh, Almost sarcastic, I mean, really sarcastically, Scripture then says, oh, good, a priest is coming. He'll do something about it. And the priest in the story goes by and sees the man and crosses the road and walks along the other side so as to not have to look at him and move on with his day. And then another religious leader comes and sees the man, crosses the road, walks by so he doesn't have to see him and goes on with the rest of his day. And then a man, a Samaritan man, comes by and a Samaritan and a Jewish man would never have been in any sort of contact with one another. Uh, it was the, uh, the religious racism of the day. And here he comes, he sees this dying, beaten man of a nationality in which he hates, and he does something. He, he attends to the man, he puts the man on his donkey, he takes the man to a, a hotel, and he puts the man up in a hotel, and see, gets a, a doctor and sees to his medical condition, and tells the innkeeper of the hotel, listen, if there's more expenses that come up, just pay him, and I am good for the money, I will make sure that everything is covered. First Peter 2.5 says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. There was a sacrifice that was made. There was an inconvenience to the Samaritan in order to help someone who was in need. The passage of Scripture goes on and says, Which of these three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? But we would all agree that it was the man who treated him kindly. Martin Luther King Jr. uh, did a message on uh, on the Good Samaritan. and, And there was two questions that were asked in the sermon. He says, if I stop and help this man, then what will happen to me? That's what the first two guys asked. If I stop and help this guy, how's that gonna affect my reputation? What's it gonna cost me? It's gonna interrupt my day. All of the things, like how is it going to What's going to happen to me? The second question that Martin Luther King Jr. proposed was, if I do not stop and help this man, what will, help, what will happen to him? And that's the question the Samaritan asked. If I don't help him, what's going to happen to him? He's going to die. So something must be done. There's sacrifice involved in making a difference in this world. I would be lying to you through my teeth to say to you, ah, it's easy, no big deal. Serving, coming on Sunday morning, waking up early in the morning, serving down our kids' hall with a bunch of kids and, <laughs> and, and doing all of those things, it, that's not easy. Not getting here early, coming for prayer every Saturday. It's not easy giving of your resources and the things that God's blessed you with. That's not an easy thing. Taking time out of your day because someone has presented themselves in need 
And now to interrupt your day and to go into, it's not an easy thing. There is sacrifice involved. The third thing is, is it takes generosity. And again, I don't really have to teach on this one all that much because we, as a church, we are a generous church. You, you all are great at this. I'll give you a, a scripture, Psalm 112, 9. They, they share freely and give generously to those in need. Lifehouse, you share freely and you give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. We, we give it. And then number four, uh, it takes urgency. It takes urgency to make a difference. And we're kind of in this uh, special time in history, and we have these special opportunities where we as a people get to make a difference. That, that if you think about it in the, in the context of, of the world that we live in, we are a blessed people. You may know people in your life who uh, maybe are more financially blessed than you are, but in the context of the world in which we live, and apparently in the context of which the city that we live in, where the, the wealth gap is so great, we are a blessed people. We are a blessed people. And so we have this unique opportunity to then be a blessing to others. It takes urgency to make a difference, and, and we do it today. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Don't wait. What, what can you do today to make a difference in your life? So as I said, three weeks from now, we're going to receive an offering and it's going to be directed directly towards roofs and eyes. Roofs and eyes, those two things. And, and here's, here's how we're doing this. We want to take all of our funds and give towards that because we believe that will make a huge difference. I'm not sure if I said this at the beginning of my message, but in the past, because we've had four different options, it's still a blessing uh, but we've been able to do uh, a good thing for, you know, we've been able to be a blessing to four different people, uh, but maybe didn't make quite the difference that if we get, did it to one person or one, one situation. So that being said, moving forward next year when we have our Make a Difference Sunday, uh, we will Jeremy is, as our missional director, is looking, he's in relationship, we're, we're talking to people, we're figuring out where is their need. It may be SA Heals, it may be Lavish, it may be Children's Hunger Fund, it may be uh, the church plan in Columbia. We don't know yet what, what next year holds for us. Uh, but know that every year we'll evaluate this and say, okay, how can we make a difference today? So uh, I use this example in first service. I'm making zero commitments along this line. And I don't even know if lavish will be the direction. But I just, as an example, want us to begin thinking this way. So lavish, uh, who you heard about a couple of weeks ago, uh, is a ministry that goes down and uh, ministers to women in the sex industry. Uh, they'll, uh, they'll, every time they go down and minister to them at the strip clubs, uh, they have to rent a 15-passenger van to take all of the workers to go down there uh, and to minister. And I was just thinking in my head, in the back of my head, I'm not saying that we're going to do this, but, but maybe we could, that, that as, a, as a church on Make a Difference Sunday, instead of them having to rent a van, we could 
collectively say, we're going to buy a van for lavish ministries. And they, they never have to run again. Like, that's the kind of difference that we could make. That this year we could say, you know what, we're going to put three roofs on and we're going to take care of all of the expenses of the eye clinic and, and we could make that kind of a difference today. Well, not today, in three weeks. <laughs> the last thing in your notes is this. Today I will live my life as if this is the day that will be remembered. One of the elders in our church, Mark DeRazio, when I first got here and started uh, pastoring this church, he, he looked at me and said, Ryan, what, what are you going to build as a ministry that's going to make a difference 100 years from now? And that question is the same question. I, I, that's my driving question in every decision that we make as a church, but I will pose that question to every one of you. What will you do that will make a difference 100 years from now? What will you do today? How will you invest in your children? How will you love your kids? How will you care for them, teach them, train them? How will you uh, make a difference in your job, in this community, in this world that we live in, that in 100 years, people will be able to look back and say, Lifehouse Church put that roof on this building. Because that's the kind of roof we're going to put on, that in 100 years, it's going to still be there. That in a hundred years, families who have gotten their eyesight back, there's a passage of scripture that talks about the scales coming off of your eyes. It's in the spiritual sense. With MMI, it's literally cataract surgery. It's literally coming off. And people who could see only blurred images now are seeing clearly again. Like That makes a difference a hundred years from now, generation after generation after generation. What are we going to do that's going to make a difference? Let's pray.